Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So to start off today, I want to ask you a question um, that I really want you to dwell on and think about as we go through the message. What would you do if you discovered your entire life was built on a lie, was built on a fraud? That's what we want to talk about today as we're in week two of this series in Ephesians called The Worthy Life. So I want to take you back to the city of uh, Ephesus, which is located in Asia Minor. It is really the center between the Greek uh, Roman Western world and the Eastern world of Asia Minor. And Ephesus was a port city. And so as a port city, it's really a melting pot, right? It's a melting pot of thoughts and ideas and religions. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about the influence of religion. And we're going to talk about, we're going to look at and talk about the goddess of the East. We're going to talk about the goddess of the West and what happened as a result of the combination of that there in Ephesus. And then what did Paul have to say to those early believers in Ephesus in light of everything that we're talking about today? Now, I want to give you a quick qualifier. As you begin to look at the gods and the goddesses of the ancient world and the myths that surround them, there isn't really consensus about all the different beliefs and myths and whatnot. But we'll do our best to kind of talk about some of those today. So first, let's look at the goddess of the East, who is Sybil, the Hittite mother goddess. And as you look here, you see, uh, you know, she's a real beauty. And uh, this is the goddess of, of the East. Sybil was known as the mother of the gods or the magna mater. She was worshiped in Asia Minor uh, at least 500, maybe even upwards of 1,000 years before the first century, before the first church, uh, before the time of Jesus. And Sybilla, or Sybil had a, a, a son named Addis, and the myth goes that, that this son uh, uh, fell in love with this river nymph, and, and Sybil wasn't happy about this. And she was so distraught over this that she put a curse on her son Addis, and, and it drove him crazy. So while in this frenzied deli- uh, you know, delirium, he emasculated himself with a stone that resulted in his death. Well, Sybil was just uh, grief-stricken and and sorrowful. And so after three days in the midst of all her sorrow, she, by her life-giving power, raised Addis, her son, from the dead. Now, if you wanted to be initiated into worship, uh, the worship or the cult or the religion of Sybil, you went to what was called a Torabolium. And and basically, it was this uh, tunnel, if you will, that you would walk into, and then you would walk to this place where there was this big, large, wide opening above you in this tunnel. And above you, you would look up and you would see this grate or these pieces of wood with a lot of holes in them. And they would walk in a bowl or, or a cow, you know, a cow. They'd walk in this bowl, place it on top of the grate, and then uh, uh, the priest would slit the bull's throat. All of its blood would then drain down through the grate or through the holes in the wood. And you below, it would just drench you. And some, some historians say you would even open your mouth and fill your mouth with the blood. And, and this was called being washed in the blood of the bull. Now, if you couldn't afford a, a cow, a bull, and you could only afford a lamb, guess what that was called? Being what? Washed in the blood of the lamb. 
After you went through this, you now belong to this cult or this religion of Sybil. And, and some historians actually say that, that when you went through this initiation process, that you were being born again. Now, every March or April, every March, April, during the springtime, uh, you would worship Sybil by going through this festival. And they celebrated Sybil, the, the, you know, this mother goddess who brings life through the resurrection of her son which, that she raised three days after he had died. Now, during this spring uh, festival, there was a processional. And one of the main cities of Sybil worship was Sardis, which is right down the street, uh, uh, you know, miles away from Ephesus. And, and as a worshiper of Sybil, you would put on a, right, a white robe or a white uh, a garment. And as you made your way up the mountain there in Sardis to where the, the altar was, you would flog yourself, you would beat yourself um, so that you were showing that you identified with the sorrow and the grief of Sybil. You wanted to show that you identified with her suffering. So you can imagine you're beating yourselves and whipping yourselves with, you know, with whips and chains or whatever they use. And so by the time you got to the altar, your white robe was drenched in your blood. It would be, you know, it was red, full of your blood. With that in mind, I want to read to you Revelation chapter 3. And in Revelation chapter 3, Revelation, uh, the early part of Revelation, you have the apostle John who has received these words from Jesus that Jesus wanted to be passed on to particular churches there in Asia Minor. And one of those cities that Jesus wanted uh, to share some uh, his words with was the city of Sardis. So let's read Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. And it says this, you have a few people in Sardis. This is Jesus talking. And he says, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in what? Dressed in? Dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will be like them. Be dressed in what? Dressed in? will be dressed in white. To be dressed in white in Revelation was a picture of the redeemed, of, the Jesus, of Jesus followers, of Christians. And Jesus is saying, there are a few of you Christians, you believers in Sardis, you've not soiled your clothes. In other words, you have not participated in the worship of Sybil. And those who have not participated in that worship, you are worthy. And thus you will walk with Jesus, but you will stay dressed in white. Jesus is saying something. He's saying to those believers in Sardis, I know what it's like for you. I see you. I know what you're going through. I know what your neighbors are doing. Stay true to me. Overcome. Don't give in. If you remain faithful to me, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a white robe that will never be soiled. Okay, so you have these worshipers in Sardis, or these worship in Asia, in Asia, and their, their robes are now, they're drenched in their own blood to identify with uh, uh, Sybil and her grief. And so for those of you who are men who participated in this festival, if you really want to show your, your ultimate devotion to Sybil, and not all would, but, but many would, or some would, when you got to the altar you would emasculate yourself 
and then you would place your, you know, your manhood on the, on the altar. And one historian said as many as four to 5,000 men would do this in the spring, to which everybody said, ouch. So this is the world of Asia Minor. This is the cult, the religion of Sybil, the goddess of the east, the mother goddess. Now, let's turn to the west. Remember last week we talked about Alexander the Great? Uh, remember that? And how he, uh, uh, he would, as he conquered regions and nations and empires, he would spread the Greek culture, the Greek language, and the Greek religion. And so he would bring with him his various gods and goddesses. And so he brought with him the goddess Diana to the east, or also known as Artemis. And she was this ambitious and intelligent and smart goddess. And the myth says that as soon as she was born, as she was born, she turned around and helped give birth to her twin brother, Apollos. Because apparently if you're twins, I guess you just help each other out in the birthing process, right? And so uh, their dad, Zeus, was so grateful and happy that, you know, she participated, that, she, uh, that Zeus said to, to, uh, to Diana, you know, whatever you want, I'll give to you. And she said, I want to be a perpetual virgin. And so central to the myth or to, the, to this religion, if you will, of Artemis Diana was that she was a perpetual virgin. But there's this interesting paradox with Diana Artemis, and that, that's this, she was a protector of animals, and yet she was also a hunter. Not sure how all that works, but that's just kind of the way the religion was. So in Ephesus, again, it's, the, it's a melting pot of the east and the west. In Ephesus, they combined Sybil, the mother goddess, with Diana or Artemis, the perpetual virgin hunter. And you, they, they came up with Artemis, who was known as the goddess of childbirth but also the perpetual virgin. And again, I don't know how that works. Someone will have to help me afterwards, but that's just, you know, that's just kind of how it was. And of course, she's the goddess of hunting. So if you lived in Ephesus and you got pregnant, you would offer prayers to Artemis. Why? Because you wanted her to protect you in the, in the birthing process. You wanted her to protect the child. You didn't want to die. You didn't want the child to die. And a lot of death happened back then. So you would pray to Artemis. So you have Sybil, this mother goddess from the east, who meets Diana, Artemis, uh, uh, the perpetual virgin from the west. And you get in Artem, you get in Ephesus, you get Artemis, the many-breasted one. And here's her statue, and this is who they worshipped there in Artemis. She was worshipped as a primary god or goddess in Ephesus. Art Ephesus was the, was the world center of Artemis worship. Some historians say that in the, during the spring festival there, the worship festival, as many as a million people would descend upon that city, which back then cities weren't even remotely that large. One of the biggest parts of Ephesus, uh, one of the biggest parts of its economy, were statues of, you know, the mother goddess, the perpetual virgin. And, and, and also, because so many people came there and they had the temple, uh, because of all that, uh, tourism was a big part of, of the economy of Ephesus. As people came to visit the temple and worship Artemis and buy statues and all that, it would be kind of like some of us have been to, to Israel before. And if you go, when we've been there and we go to Bethlehem. Now, the reason you go to Bethlehem, why, why would anybody go to Bethlehem? Why do you go? Why? 
birthplace of Jesus, right? You go, it's the birthplace of Jesus. And so when you go there, uh, everywhere you turn, every, every corner, every, every place that you turn, there are nativity sets made out of olive wood that are for sale. Because that's what you, you go there and you get the, you know, you get the statue, so to speak, the, 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 the nativity set. And so it's the same concept. Bethlehem, their whole economy is built on, you know, the birthplaces of Jesus and, and the nativity sets and all of that. It's the same idea. Now, this temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So everybody in the world knew about the temple. It dominated the, ci the city. Everybody knew. Ephesus, that's the home of Artemis, the temple, one of the seven wonders of the world. So to live in Ephesus was to worship Artemis. If anything good happened to you, it was because of Artemis. You have a great job, why? It's because of Artemis. You have a healthy baby, who gave that to you? It was Artemis. Who gave you life? Who gave you a good harvest? Who gave you good health? It was Artemis. All blessings that came to you were a result of your worship of, of, of Artemis. So if your crops weren't successful or didn't yield quite a bit, if, 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 if you found yourselves without a job or a di business deal fell through or, or your child died or in childbirth or, or you get sick, it's all because obviously you haven't given Artemis the, the worship that she deserves. She must be upset at you. So you must make it right. Now, the priests of, of Artemis, uh, which were self-castrated eunuchs, and you can now know in a little history, that makes sense, right? They would take the, uh, her statue from the one of her statues from the temple, and they would dip it in the harbor. And they would do this to acknowledge that all trade that came in and out of Ephesus, because everything passed through Ephesus, it was protected and blessed by Artemis. And because all trade passed through Ephesus from the east, from the west, because of that, Ephesus was extremely wealthy. It was the banking center of Asia Minor. And so you can imagine um, when, when, when travelers would come to Ephesus and they would maybe be getting a tour from a tour guide and, and, and they would ask the tour guide, Man, I cannot believe there's so much money here. It is so wealthy and extravagant and opulent. And how do all the people have so much money? How are they so wealthy? Oh, that's simple. We worship Artemis. We bless Artemis. All praise goes to Artemis. It's not us. It's her. All blessings come from Artemis. Okay. You have a picture now in your mind, a little bit of what's going on. Asia Minor, in Ephesus, in the first century. Every single aspect of your life, your culture, your commerce, your religion, your relationship, it all revolved around the worship of Artemis. Paul comes along, the apostle, and he writes this letter to those believers in Ephesus. Now, as we get ready to read what he writes, I want you to imagine with me a moment hearing this letter for the very first time. Maybe you make statues of Artemis for a living and now you're a Jesus follower. Or maybe you're a tour guide or maybe you work down at the harbor. You're a new Christian and now you're gonna get ready to hear the Apostle Paul has a letter for you, for the church. So let's imagine that for a moment as we read 
Well, starting Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to Artemis. Is that what it says? No, no, no. Praise be to Sybil. No, is that what it says? No, no. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says next. Who has blessed us? Remember, it's all about blessing. Who's blessed us? Who? God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Artemis. No, no. In Christ. Praise be to who? What did it say? Praise be to? Praise be to God. What did verse 3 mean to the people who heard it for the very first time? Man, it must have rocked their world. Now, as you look at verse 3, verse 3 is actually a paraphrase of a Jewish prayer from a Jewish prayer book, which says, We bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. We bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us. And then you would, you know, you would give a list of what you would bless the Lord our God, King of the universe, for. It has its origins traced back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 where it says this, God said to the Israelites, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Jewish people saw this idea of blessing God as central to your life. And by the way, I mean, sometimes like some of our prayers get kind of weird and we, we bless food. A Jewish person would never bless food. You don't bless food. It's already been blessed by God. They would bless God for giving them the food, the clothes you wear. We praise you, Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us these clothes, these garments. You see a beautiful sunset. We bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for providing us this majesty and this grandeur and this splendor. You uh, have a good job or, or the harvest is wonderful. You say, we bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us this great harvest, for being our provider, for being our sustainer. For salvation, we bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us life. To be a Jew was to be a blessing machine. You see, the Jewish people, they understood something. They understood that if they lost their sense of gratefulness and gratitude, that they would get in trouble spiritually. Not so much with that they'd be in trouble with God, but spiritually, the way they live out their life, they, they just wouldn't go right. And so they wanted to keep at the very forefront of their lives, that God is good, that God blesses us. We bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. That word blessed, by the way, uh, Hebrew, barak, it literally means to kneel, which suggests that when we bless God, we bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, we are mentally, if you will, bowing our knees in worship to God, recognizing, God, I know that you're the source of all blessings. What about you? Will you be a blessing machine? Will you be someone who constantly in gratitude and gratefulness bless God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, give thanks in everything, in all things. Will you bow your knee to the king of the universe? By the way, in Revelation, what does it say? It says, there will come a time when every what? Every knee will bow. There will come a time 
when every person, every God-hater, every person who's rejected God, anyone who has turned their back on God, them, they, those included, even they will bless the Lord. Why? He is the Lord, our God, King of the universe. Will you be a blessing machine? Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he's saying to these believers, he's saying, you know what we do? We bless God. We bless God. We bless God. And again, who isn't Paul giving credit to? He's not giving credit to Artemis, right? She's not getting the, the credit. So what is Paul saying about Artemis? Paul is saying, Artemis, she's a lie. Artemis, she's a fraud. Now, he doesn't say those actual words, but it's implied with what he's saying. We don't bless Artemis. Come on, we bless God. Come on, listen, you think she's the one who gives you life? No, 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 it's God. We bless God. You think she's the one who gives you prosperity or success or health? No, come on. It's God, king of the universe. He's the one who blesses you. I know, because I've done it myself. I read past these first couple verses whenever I read the epistles. But man, for those who first heard this, when they heard it for the very first time, I'm assuming their reaction would have been, oh my goodness, Paul is calling into question the entire culture, the entire religion, the entire foundations of what our culture is built upon. He's saying as followers of Jesus, man, we bless God. We don't bless Artemis. We bless God. God is sovereign. So imagine you're somebody who makes a living. You provide for your family by making statues of Artemis. So what does this mean to you? What does this mean for you? Am I in or am I out, right? Do I believe verse three or not? Imagine if you're pregnant. And you have been going, you know, once a day up to the temple of Artemis and praying, Artemis, please protect me and give me life and give this child life. What is Paul saying to all this? He's confronting the economic system. He's confronting the religious system. He's confronting the entire belief system. He's saying this city, it's built on a lie. Your life, your hope, your trust and faith is all built on a fraud, a deception, and I just wonder, I wonder how much of our lives, our faith, our trust, our hope, how much of it is built on trusting ourselves, trusting in our finances, our money, our 401ks? I wonder how much of our life is built on how hard I can work how safe I can be. Paul would say, man, it's all a lie. Who really provides for you? Is it your employer? No, 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 it's God. He's the one who provides. Who protects you? Who keeps you safe? Is it Artemis? Is it Artemis? Is it, you know, Lord Fauci? Is it the CDC? No, 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 no. Listen to what Paul's saying. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, you don't be wise and prudent and, you know, and be smart and act responsibly. But ultimately, our lives are in the hands of God. He gives life. He gives breath. He has chosen the number of our days. 
what part of your life has given into the lies of culture? What areas of your life have you blessed culture rather than bowed your knee to Almighty God, King of the universe? What lies have you been sucked into? Man, I can tell you this. Those who first heard these words, they must have thought, if I take verse 3 seriously, it's going to change my life. It might change my relationships. It might affect my employment. It might affect who, who I interact with and how I interact with those individuals. It might affect my entire way of living. How must it have played out? Well, imagine you get a knock on the door and it's all your friends and they're all dressed. It's in the spring and they're all dressed in white. They're like, let's go. It's time. It's the, the, the processional starting. Time to worship Sybil. And you're standing there like, uh, I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? Look, I got the whips. I got the chains. Let's go. We're ready. You're like, uh, I can't make it. Why? Why? We, we've been doing this our whole life. Why aren't you coming? Well, I just think the whole thing's a fraud. What are you talking about? What, 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 what do you mean? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's a lie. Wait, you're telling me you're seriously not coming? No, I'm not. Can you imagine? What about this? You, you have built statues of Artemis for a living. Now what do you do? You're telling me Artemis, the temple, seven, one of the seven wonders of the world, you're telling me Artemis isn't inside there? She's not real? She's a fraud? You're, is that what you're telling me, Paul? Yeah. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is sovereign, king of the universe. In the next, over the next couple of weeks, here's what we're going to do. Paul is going to talk to us, and he's going to exhort us as believers to live a life worthy of our calling, because we've been called by God. We've been called out of that and called into a relationship with the Lord our God, King of the universe, and he's calling us to a worthy life. And we're going to talk about how do you and I live a life worthy of our calling? What does it look like? And that's what we'll begin to touch on over the next few weeks. Now, before we wrap it up, uh, there's something that's really fascinating to me. And I just, I want to talk about this for a moment because I think it has implications for how we live out our life and live out our faith and how we communicate our faith. If you read through the if, letter to the Ephesians, you never once hear Artemis mentioned by Paul. He never says her name. Now, I want you to couple that with the fact that in Ephesians, excuse me, Acts chapter 19, verse 37, the city clerk of Ephesus is talking about Paul, and he says this. He says that Paul never once blasphemes uh, Artemis. And you look at the different translations, it's interesting. Let me read some of those translations of Acts chapter 19. It says that Paul didn't insult Artemis, that Paul didn't say evil things about her, and I like this one. Paul didn't speak against her. He didn't. He's an apostle. He didn't speak against her. He didn't blaspheme her. He didn't do any of that. He didn't insult her. He didn't say, well, then what did he do? I'll tell you what he did. He just simply blessed God. He blessed God. 
He doesn't put down Artemis directly. You read it through the lines and you pick up that, that it's a fraud. He just goes around saying things like, we bless God, we bless God. Paul and those early Christians, they simply talked about the magnificence and the glory of Jesus Christ, the Lord our God, King of the universe. We bless God. We follow Jesus. Man, what about today? So many Christians today are so focused on everything that is wrong in our culture, that that's their focus. Now, of course, of course, there's a time and there's a place to call out evil, to speak up against it. Absolutely. But what if, what if we spent less time forwarding that, you know, that tweet or that article or that post about all that's wrong or this topic or that topic? What if we spent less time forwarding that? And what if we spent more time forwarding this amazing Jesus Christ that we love, that we serve? What if we forwarded the beauty of Jesus, that we blessed Jesus, that we lift up the name of Jesus Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. We are right now, we're watching it. We're losing our freedoms and I, I have to speak up. And these mandates, they're unconstitutional. They're a violation of my rights. And, and CRT, critical race theory, is destroying our kids. And it's actually the most racist teaching out there. And we have to speak about it. And, and this whole issue of gender identity and LGBTQ and the confusion with all that. And it's not biblical. Pastor, we have to speak up about that. Listen, yeah, we do. And there's a time and a place for that. But what if, what if, you can send that article, but what if for every time you send one of those, you send five articles about Jesus? You send, oh, we're losing our freedoms. Fine, send five ar uh, articles about the freedom you and I have in Jesus Christ. Paul, when he talks about having freedom in Jesus Christ, you realize he wrote that when he was in prison, right? He was in prison. So he understands what real freedom is like. What if we spend, send more articles, more sermons, more examples of what it looks like to have the peace of God even in the midst of the chaos that surrounds us? What if we send more articles, more sermons, more tweets, more examples of what it's like to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of any circumstance we're going through? We bless you, Jesus, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. We bless you. We lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. So I'm gonna spend more time talking about what I'm for than what I'm against. I'm for Jesus because I know I'm free in Jesus. I'm sustained in Jesus. My success comes from Jesus. My life comes from Jesus. All that I have, all that I am is because of Jesus. And I serve Jesus, this great God, this King of the universe. And the way I live out my life is I build up others in the name of Jesus. I encourage people in the name of Jesus. I pray for people in the name of Jesus. And those that I disagree with that don't look like me, think like me, act like me, or vote like me, I will draw alongside of them and I will love them and I will care for them. And I will show them that they matter. I will not be divided. I will seek common ground and show them as a child of God that God loves them and God cares for them. What if we lifted up the name of Jesus? Present Jesus in such a compelling way 
that people will see our God in heaven and glorify him. Matthew 5 says, let your light shine. That's what they did. They blessed Jesus. They didn't talk about Artemis. They didn't worry about that. They just blessed Jesus, the Lord our God, King of the universe. What are the results? I think you know enough of history to know this. Let me ask you this. Prior to today, have you ever really heard of Artemis? <laughs> Not really. Now, some history students, some of you might, you know, you've studied the Bible, you know, in Acts 19 talks. About, but most of us are like, Artemis, who's Artemis? The lie disappeared. It went away. Why? Because believers lifted up the truth, Jesus Christ, and the entire empire was changed. Will you become a blessing machine? God has called you to live a worthy life. We bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. Let's pray. Almighty God, sovereign, King of the universe, we bless you. We bow our life to you. We trust you. God, I know, I, I get it, God. I know you've called us to righteousness. You've called us to, at times, have that prophetic voice. God, help us to know what that looks like and how to live that out. But what I also know is Paul and this Ephesian church, they demonstrated what it's life if a, life, if a Christian's life was focusing on blessing you, God. And so God, I pray today that you would show us more and more ways that we just can lift up the name of Jesus to all those that we interact with so that your truth becomes evident to all, that it's attractive to all. So God, once again, we bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.